I promised chocolate cake last time I shared, so <laughs> I failed to deliver last time. Um, I have bought my, I think it's my three-time-ago Bible this morning. I almost need to wear white gloves to use it, um, so hopefully it will hold together. <laughs> well, it's up here. That was such a blessing. <laughs> hey, Sam and Judy. <laughs> we have a miracle in our midst this morning. <laughs> Little Adeline has arrived, and we're just so thrilled for you as a family and as a church family because it's something we've believed for and waited on God for together. Yeah. Um, if you've got your Bible with you this morning, I'm a little bit... Uh, I'm very full from the worship, very full from having just come into God's presence and I feel like um, what's already happened, I'm just going to add to this morning and then we're going to actually do some waiting. Hopefully I won't talk for too long. Um, We'll see how we go. Psalm 138. Verses 2 and 3 and 8 say, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. And verse 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. You know, at first glance, this scripture promises that when we pray, we get an answer on the same day. <laughs> yeah, a few chuckles, because we know that's not the way it works. And often the answers to our prayers can appear to be slow, slow in coming. But one thing God promises to give us when we cry and when we're waiting for those promises to be fulfilled is to give us courage and to give us strength and to perfect the things that concern us. He promises to work out his plans for our lives. Psalm 27:14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And if we can flick over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. This is a chapter of amazing promises, talking about the comfort and the strength and the faithfulness of God. If you haven't read it in a while, I'd encourage you this afternoon, go home and read Isaiah 40. Go home and and claim the promises in these verses. Verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. 
But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The thing that I've been thinking about, actually for much of this year, has been about waiting. 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 (laughs) You know, I looked through scripture and found examples of waiting everywhere. (laughs) Just everywhere. And I thought of David. He was anointed and called, yet he had to wait until he was a um, king. Joseph waited for deliverance and restoration. Moses waited in the desert. Jacob had to wait and work for his wife. Abraham and Sarah waited for the promised son. Noah waited and prepared for God's plan to unfold. Job, I'm reading Job at the moment, poor Job. He waited and waited and waited (laughs) to see the purpose of what God was doing in his life. I still don't, I'm sure he knows now he's in heaven, but we, you know, I don't think Job got an answer on earth. Hannah, waiting for her promised child. The disciples, waiting in the upper room, not knowing what was about to happen and how history was going to be changed forever. Jesus, waiting for the fulfilment of his purpose. You know, it's all through scripture. Whether we like it or not, waiting is a part of life. It's not something that naturally we like to do. Shane and I have gone down to one car in our household by choice as he can walk to work and ride to work. So it's quite, you know, we thought, why pay two regos and two insurance and two, you know, so we've gone to one. But it means that sometimes we're waiting on one another. God is doing a work in the waiting. <laughs> you know, we don't, like, we don't like to wait in queues. Jed often talks about this. <laughs> He's just shaking his head there. We don't like it when we're put on hold on the phone. We don't like, I work with five-year-olds who don't like to wait their turn. We as adults sometimes don't like to wait our turn. And we don't like to wait if we have to wait to be heard. And in our society, perchance we have to wait longer than anticipated, we're often compensated. We get a voucher or a discount or a refund. That's the society we live in. But it's also in our nature to be waiting for the next thing. What's up ahead? You know, leaving school, going to uni, waiting to get a job, waiting to get a better job, waiting to get married, waiting to start a family, waiting till your children go to school, waiting till your children leave home. We're there. (laughs) Um, Waiting to be able to travel again. Waiting to retire. It seems there's always something just ahead that'll make us happier or that's something that we are anticipating. You know, we wait in the spirit. We wait on healing. You know, we've all had journeys of different things of healing. Waiting for loved ones to be saved. Waiting, like Ben mentioned before, waiting for our church to grow. Waiting for our ministry to grow. Waiting for someone to apologise. 
waiting for breakthrough, waiting for revival, waiting for the coming of the Lord, waiting for heaven, waiting for someone to recognise the gifting in my life. You know, it's not hard to see that waiting is a spiritual principle. But my question this morning is how do we walk in that truth of waiting when we live in a society that's so focused on the instant? Everything about our daily lives is rush, 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 do, 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 waiting for the next thing. So I'd like to look at three areas this morning to try and answer that question. You'll probably think of another three or another four things, but these are three that I felt like God put on my heart this morning. The first one is that God's plan and his timing are perfect. Perfect. And I brought along an illustration. Now, Shane is a nurse, but before he was a nurse, he was a bread baker for 20 years. So we stopped in at the bakery this morning. Well, they didn't have quite what I was looking for. They didn't have a big loaf of bread that... Okay. And if you're sitting up close, when I do this, you might be able to smell it. Bread is a staple of life. And Shane was, you know, I I sat down with him yesterday and said, now tell me if I've got this right. (laughs) Because I know bread is a process, making bread from scratch. You actually don't get much bread these days made from scratch. But there are a whole lot of elements that go into making this loaf of bread. There are the ingredients. There's the mixing. There's the kneading. There's the cutting. There's the forming into the shape that you want. There's resting. There's tinning. I didn't know there was tinning in bread making. Tinning or traying up. There's proving a little bit of heat with the right amount of humidity, the right environment. Time is essential. There's baking or steaming. There's cooling. And then Shane said... There's the beautifying, which I've never thought, you know, the wash on the top, the seeds on the top, the different things that make it look good to eat. And then it's ready to eat. You know, it can take anywhere from two hours to seven days to make a loaf of bread. Quick one in two hours, a long one, the process can take from scratch seven days. Before you bought your yeast in a box, It was made from potatoes, and the baker had to make their own yeast and keep their own yeast, and then, so there was that process as well. They had to heat their oven with with wood, and the fire, their oven never went out. You know, everything is so fast these days. Every part's important for the end result to be one, edible, and two, delicious. I, most people I know have tried making bread at some stage and everyone's had a disaster. It's not an easy thing to do. And yet you can get a loaf of bread for $2. If we miss out one of the elements, it's hard, it has no flavour, it's flat, it's inedible. 
And each of those parts can be applied to our spiritual life. Each part of that. You know, the ingredients, faith, the word, prayer, community. Mix them together in the right quantities. The word without prayer is not going to be a fruit. Community without love is not going to be a fruit. Um, Community without the word. They don't stand alone. They have to be mixed together in the right environment, in the right combinations. You know, who, who's had times in their life where they feel like God's needing them, applying pressure, you know? And, and when a baker needs, if he's doing it right, the dough squeaks. <laughs> it actually makes a sound. It squeaks. <laughs> you know, we have times of heat and sticky humidity in our walk with God when we're being shaped and formed into who God wants us to be. And then there's the proving time. It doesn't look like much is happening, but the dough has to rest. The dough has to be given time to, um, to develop. Psalm 23, we, we love Psalm 23. It's really encouraging. But I was looking at the verse in there that said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I just saw it from a different angle this time. You know, a shepherd will often get the, the sheep round the neck to make it rest, to stop it running. You know, and I sometimes feel like God has had to do that to me. Hoy, just a minute, come here. I want you to rest. I want you to be still. I want you to wait on me. I want you to be still. Because it's in those places when we're being proved, when we're resting, when we're waiting, that God speaks to our heart. It's here he strengthens us. It's here we learn the character of God and hear his heart and learn more of his faithfulness and his goodness. Busyness is not necessarily godliness. This is one of the big lessons I have had to learn. I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy, but I'm not busy for just the sake of being busy. I'm busy doing what I believe God's put on my heart. You know, there's been times in my life, and I've seen other people do it too, where we wear our busyness as a badge of honour. We go around talking about how busy we are, the things we're doing, the things we're accomplishing, rather than being interested, more interested in who we are. We need to know that whatever we're doing, we're walking in his plans and his timing because they're the things that are perfect, his plan and his timing. You know, we need to be careful to not get impatient to not push open doors when God's saying wait, to not be running ahead of God, not be doing things in our own strength, but in his timing. Otherwise, we won't be the product that God intended us to be. Now, my second thought was that we need to be careful to not be so focused on the promise, the thing that's to come, that we miss what God wants to do today. You know, the other thing, the flip side of that coin, is we can be so focused on how God's worked in the past, what he's done in the past, that we can't see what he's doing today and what he wants to do ahead. Um, King Saul is a really good example of this. He depended on his calling. 
rather than waiting. There was a time where he had he was waiting to go to war and in the past had presented a sacrifice and then went to war. But this time Samuel said, wait, wait for me. And Samuel got impatient and performed the sacrifice himself, went out to war and lost the battle. And Samuel came and said, all you had to do was wait. But Saul became impatient. And the result, eventually, was that he lost his kingship. Moses, when he's in the wilderness, God told him the second time they needed water to speak to the rock. But the time before, hitting the rock had worked. So Moses hit the rock again. And yes, water came out. But God said, because of that, because of not being obedient, because of not obeying my voice, not waiting for me to do my thing, you're going to miss out on entering into the promised land. And the Jewish people, you know, they were longing, longing for the Messiah, longing for him to come. And they had in their minds what he was going to look like what he was going to do. They were looking to the signs and the times, but they missed him. He was right before him, the signs and the miracles and the the witness, but they missed him. Now, we're on the other side of the cross. We know. We know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the light of the world. He's the hope of the nations. Yet we can still lose heart in our circumstances and struggle to see his purpose in the times where we are waiting for victory and breakthrough. Especially when it feels like nothing is happening. At those times in my own life, I've I've tried to put God in a box of my own understanding. But this year, um, around December, January, I seek the Lord for a I said, God, what's the scripture that you'd, you'd put in my heart for the year? And I didn't like the scripture he gave me this year. It's Habakkuk 3, 16. And I thought, oh, God, what's coming? It talks about there being no fruit on the vine. It talks about the tree not blossoming. It talks about everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But Habakkuk's declaration is, yet will I rejoice. You can understand my apprehension when I felt like God put that scripture in my heart. You know, and and there are some things where I have had to choose this year that scriptures come back to me. God, I choose to rejoice. I don't understand. I don't see any fruit. I don't see any victory. Yet I'm choosing to rejoice. I'm choosing to wait on you to see your purposes in this because that's, that's God's plan. I, for those of you who have only known me in the last year or two, um, I didn't realise, but for, I'm 53, and for probably 48 years of my life, I struggled with severe eczema. On the top of my head, the only, bottom of my soles of my feet were free, but that's about it. And to the point where I was on steroids and antibiotics, my face would weep, I couldn't you know, do things with my hands. I had to get someone to come and help me peel the vegetables because it was just too painful and and the effects were awful. I went through a real journey, a 48-year journey, you know, when I was a baby, obviously not, but 
I became a Christian and I started to believe for healing. Well, that probably took over 20 years to happen. And in that time, I tried everything physical. I tried everything medical. I tried everything spiritual. And still I had eczema. I remember standing in the mirror one day and crying. I'd read the scripture and the the blind man had come up to Jesus and he said, what do you want? The blind man said, if you are willing. Well, instead of giving me that courage, that scripture made me weep and say, God, are you not willing? Are you not willing that I be healed of this? And Shortly after that, I was standing in front of a mirror and someone came along beside me. It was at church. I was out in the, in the ladies. A person came beside me and just put their arm around me. I said, we love you. Something broke in the spirit that day. Something broke. And the, the healing was a gradual healing. I, am, I think this is the first time from the pulpit I have said I am completely free of eczema. <laughs> Which is awesome. You know, I had people come alongside me and stand with me and encourage me. You know, but a lot of that journey was personal because my, my significance, my value to God was not based on what I looked like. It was not based on my circumstances. It was based on my heart and my relationship with him. You know, we need to be like the believers in Acts where they were waiting for the promise Jesus had given him, given them. They had no idea what was coming. And in fact, if I think they did, some of them may have left. It wasn't an easy road they were about to travel. Yes, it was exciting, and yes, it was filled with the power of God, but there was persecution and there was doubt and there was there was trouble. But they were ready, waiting with open hearts, knowing that Jesus had promised power to equip them for what was to come. Lucas Connell last week, he talked about the provision of God being not just for today, but for what God has ahead. God sees and knows the future and wants us to be ready for what's coming. I don't want to miss him. I don't want to be so focused on what's up ahead or what's been behind. I want to be part of what God's doing today. And I really believe that as we're part of what God is doing today, we're going to be ready for what God brings in the future. So what do we do while we wait? In the times when it seems like nothing's happened. And that's my third point. What we do while we're waiting matters. Really matters. Waiting is not a passive thing. You know, I thought of a waiter at a restaurant. They just don't wait around, sit back. They actually wait on you. They come and they serve you. They come and deliver your food. They come and ask you, is everything okay? They wait on you. God wants us to wait on him. You know, we have a value up the back about supernatural that we're going to contend for it, contend for the things of the spirit. It means go after it means pursue. It means be dedicated to. It means being committed to. You know, there were two people that are mentioned very briefly in the New Testament in Luke 2. Anna and Simeon. Love these two people. 
They waited with expectation and a promise. They waited a long time. They waited almost all their lives. In fact, Simeon said, I've now seen the promise that you put in my heart. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go home. I've seen what you promised. They saw with all that was going on around them, they didn't see miracles. They didn't see see signs and wonders. They saw Jesus as an eight-day-old baby. And they saw the Messiah. They saw who Jesus was. That's what I want to be like. I want to be so, so expectant, so looking. You know, they were advanced in years, yet it says they worshipped. They prophesied. They dedicated themselves to serve in the temple. They weren't sitting idly, twiddling their thumbs, waiting, but they were actively involved in seeking God and being faithful to him. So the key, I believe, to waiting for God is to wait on God. We need to wait on him. And we do that by being in the word. Not just knowing the word, but be in the word. Pray the word. Declare the word. Speak it into areas in your life. Let it touch you. Let it, let it sink deep into your heart. Let the word be in our homes Let it not be strange that when we're having dinner, we talk about a scripture and what it means. We bring life into our situations. Let it be like the yeast in the bread. Let it permeate every part of our lives. While we're waiting, we need to worship. Individually and corporately. Love the presence of the Lord this morning. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm on the worship team. This is probably just a little aside. Um, you know, we, we, we finish our meeting and people say, oh, I love the worship. And I've, and I've done this, you know, and you go, oh, you no, know, it didn't do much for me this morning. You know, oh, we didn't hit it this morning. Do you know when we hit worship? When worship really speaks to us, when we go, oh, that worship was amazing. It's when we make a choice to enter in. It's when we, regardless of the music style, regardless of the excellence or the mistakes that happen up on the stage. It's when we choose to enter in and fix our eyes on the one who we're worshipping. That real worship happens. So that's just... Anyway. But when we worship, that's when God puts courage in. You know, over time, we reflect what we worship. I want to be the reflection that comes out of me to be the life of Jesus. I want it to be the Holy Spirit. I don't want it to be Netflix. I don't want it to be gaming. Not that I game. I don't want it to be rugby. I don't, you know. I don't want it to be my career. I don't want it to be my reputation. I want it to be Jesus. I want to be, I want to be a reflector of Jesus. And that happens when we worship him. You know, we wait on God by serving, giving ourselves to what God is asking of us today. You know, heaps of opportunities to serve in your workplace, to go the extra mile, to do a little bit more than what's being asked of you. Plenty of opportunities here at church. See Rachel. Oh, she's out in creche serving. Um, 
you know, it's not about being busy for busy's sake, but everything we do needs to be unto him and for his glory. The other thing we do as we wait is redeem the time. Each day is a gift. We need to be faithful with the time we've been given. You know, there are days when God says, rest. There are days when it's okay to take your Bible, to take your book and have a coffee at the beach. (laughs) He's going to hold me to that. There There are days when what you do to rest what you do to find your peace and your, your centre, those days are essential. You know, there's other days where they're full. You know, when we're resting, we are still redeeming the time. We're not wasting time. It's imperative that we have both in our lives. We need to be careful in our busyness to not allow our significance to God be confused with our importance to man. You know, that's really our significance to God is far more important than our importance to man. We're not to be people pleasers. We're to be God pleasers. And the other thing we need to do while we're waiting is to stay faithful because he's in the waiting. He's there. When we wait on him, he's there and we find him. Isaiah 40, 31 says, As we wait on the Lord, he'll renew our strength. You know, that word renew actually means exchange. And exchange takes place when we wait on God. He takes our weakness and replaces it with strength. His strength. Not our strength, his. And then... We're able to mount up with wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, and walk and not faint. Eagles don't do a lot of flapping. Don't know if you've ever looked at an eagle. They don't, they don't do this. They occasionally do a... They don't flap like a hummingbird. They glide. They soar on the air currents, and they use their environment to manoeuvre. How can we do that? How can we soar? How do we wait in a world that is so instant? It's by waiting on him, by trusting him, opening ourselves to his perfect plan, allowing his grace to flow in our hearts, and above all else, by seeking him, spending time with him. Let him lift us. The Holy Spirit is our air current. We don't have to flap to please God. We don't have to be busy trying to stay in the air. When we position ourselves, when we come to God, he lifts us up and we can soar. You know, this is God's heart for us this morning, no matter what season we're in. And so this morning I'd actually like to spend a bit of time going to play a song that's new to our church. It's a bit out there. Um, but we're just going to play it quietly in a little bit. Because God, and I love the words in it. I love the words. Further on in the song, it goes, this is what happens when we wait. 
This is what happens when we wait. You know, Ben had us before just commit those things to the Lord. Now's another opportunity to just come into his presence, to just lift those things before him and wait on him. Give it to God. Let's choose to enjoy the journey. Let's um, make this our prayer this morning. Do you know, if you're here this morning and there's something that's really weighing heavily on your heart and you would like someone to stand with you, it might be like my experience in the bathroom. Someone just came and put their arm around me and said, we love you. Something happened in the spirit. I'd invite you to come while the the song's playing. Come forward. The things that are causing you to be weighed down. Come and wait on the Lord. Lift them up and let him lift you so that you can soar. So you can walk and so you can run. And if you're here and nothing touches your heart, and that's okay. If you're not thinking, oh yeah, I really need to hand that over to God. Wait on God for a word for someone that is going through a difficult season. We're called to put courage in one another. Ask God for a word. Ask God, God, what would you want to say to Jed this morning? What would you want to say to Dylan this morning? Get a heart, look around, and wait on God for a word. We are a family. We're in this together. Actually, we're like a loaf of bread. Each one of us is important, necessary. Can't do without you. So if, if the music ends, it goes for a little while and Ben may hop up and say, you know, and close before then. But let's just, let's just make a choice this morning as we finish to acknowledge that God's timing is perfect and that we need him, need him to lift us. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning um, and we'll just listen to this.